Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 54 of Little Things for Bonsai People. And this time I am joined by my two co-hosts, uh, starting with Mike Lane of Kitsune Bonsai. How's it going, Mike? Hey, what's up? What's good? How are you guys? And then also uh, Carmen Leskobiansky. How's it going, Carmen? Pretty good. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but uh, I figured we'd talk about wire a little bit, some aluminum versus copper and their applications and why and how. And then also we'll touch on Japanese quints or Chinese quints. I think they're a little versatile, but they're slightly different there. And then um, since Carmen gets to work with a lot of chochabai, I, I think that would be a good little thing to kind of dip into there. But before we get to that, I do need to mention that our podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com forward slash little things for bonsai people. Head over there and become a bonsai best bud and hang out in the discord with these amazing people. Starting off our list with Tori Solis, Vicky Olf, Boyd Stelbro, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Stappy Chappers, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard Bonsai Australia, Greenwich Gardens, Taylor Peacock, Chase Petit, Austin Atkins, Karen Codswell, Uruin Bonsai Garden, Luis Torres, AC Castle, Bonsai Marine, Joss Potts, Chris Fassoon, Timothy Arsenal, Randy Bennett, and uh, we have a couple of new, brand spanking new Bonsai Best Buds. I hope I say this one right. Uh, Victrina Ridgeway? Is that right? Yeah, Victrina. Mm-hmm. Victrina? Okay, mm-hmm. Victrina Ridgeway. Yay, Victrina! And um, and Laurent's Bonsai Yard. Nice. Thank you guys for so much for becoming $5 tier Bonsai Best Buds. That's awesome. You you guys are supporting our show, helping us uh, build our channel and also build our show. Uh, we're on YouTube right now. Go check that out. That's why I said channel. Um, and we're, we're working on... on yeah, we got we got episodes on YouTube right now. We do. Very exciting. I think our entire uh, show is on there right now. Matt's been wait like video video. So now we can now we can say hit subscribe, ring yes. that oh, bell. Woo! Matt, is it the video that co- coincides with it, or just the audio? We are currently working on getting a video person, so we'll eventually get like a video thing where you see our heads kind of floating. That's great! Oh my god! But that's still in the works. But the episodes are on YouTube, so we're doing great there. I'm going to get one of those hanging hanging mics. You should. So you can actually see it so it looks really proper. Or one of those yeah. armatures so you That's look really cool. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then I'll have to get a, a streamer background. I'll have to get like a bookshelf with all my knickknacks and my, my oh, Pokemon yeah. figures, my, my Magic the Gathering collectibles and stuff. Um, just to show off how cool I am outside of Bonesai. You're so cool. Um, but yeah, we do have uh, two other $1 tier patrons that jumped on this week as well. We got Micah Rouse and Ben Creel. Creole. I, I hope I said that one right too. Uh, but one dollar tier patrons are also like a little a little seasoning, a little spice on top. Thank you guys so much for subscribing. Uh, we do have another tier that I just added. It's uh, thirty dollars a month. I know it's a, it sounds like a lot, but you get a t-shirt Bam. and whatever t-shirt is in print, and that's available in your size at the time. We will ship it straight out to you. And also, um, how about a thirty-minute session session with me, Carmen, or Mike? Not a bad deal. But uh, it, it's going to be schedule dependent, though. So uh, via Zoom, <laughs> they have all three of us, or is Zoom. it just with one yeah. of us? Just just whoever uh, for the moment. That sounds good too. Yeah, I like that. I like that we're finding out about this on air. Yeah, yeah. Time this as is, everybody else. This is I awesome. forgot that I yeah. put it on there. But let me tell you guys. <laughs> but it's but a it, great idea. Yeah, yeah. If you want to become a thirty dollars patron, I know 
it's a it's a lot more than the five dollar and but i mean the value is there and 30 minutes is equivalent to most bonsai professionals uh consultation and well, you get evan's personal phone number yeah no <laughs> you do yes no we're not gonna do all that all the time uh, <laughs> he loves when you do that text them late text them late at night get the time zones wrong we can, we can have all kinds of fun with it uh but yeah we're uh we're also going to mention really quick that our editor matt o'donnell um he cleans up our 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 show makes us sound smart makes us really uh enjoyable to listen to you can go over to mattodonnell.com, fill a contact form and start your own podcast show with matt he also is an audio engineer he plays set bass for uh for bands in nashville tennessee he's an all-around awesome guy it's in the script to say it every single time um, and also, yeah, we mentioned the t-shirts. Go over to underhillbonesizestore.com. Click on the under, the uh, not the underhill, the little things tab and see what shirts we have available. So, um, yeah, let's talk about wire a little bit, guys. How y'all feel about wire? I feel, I feel great about, about wire. Yeah, I like it. As cons- mm-hmm. general consensus that we love wire. We do. Oh, yeah. I like that. So, um, starting with, I guess, with Mike, kind of give me how you... How do you use wire and what copper versus aluminum kind of argument you could make? And, you know, just just like a summary, how you feel about that? Yeah, um, I use aluminum much more than I use copper uh, because I work mostly in uh, obviously in a, a tropical, uh, subtropical climate. So things grow very fast. And um, that's really the number one dictating factor for me is uh, the rate of growth is mm. it's costly to change out copper at the rate that I would need to, and it's much cheaper to use aluminum. Um, with copper though, I feel that it's superior in just about every way. Um, I really do like it a lot. I think it's number one selling point for me is the preservation of work. So I think, uh, wire is basically like a splint. So if you break your arm, which is what we're kind of doing to the branch is you then need to splint it and keep it from moving while it heals. And so if there's any kind of movement while that's happening, if you bump the branch and the branch compresses on itself, well, that kind of messes with that healing ability or even worse, heals in a a way that we don't want it to heal. And so I found using like 1.0 aluminum on junipers is useless because a gust of wind will blow that stuff, uh, you know, deform that stuff. So. Uh, 20 millimeter copper you can hit it with your hand and it just bounces right back into position for the most part and so um, I think preserving the design on especially on things that need to not be moved for a long period of time like junipers or conifers I think copper is the like by far better Um, with that said uh, Laurent when I worked with him you know high-level professional refused to use copper even on conifers would not use it and said it limited the flex limited the movement that you could get on the tree which I don't disagree with Um, you know I do think it's easier to get movement with aluminum wire uh, but I think a lot of the Japanese styles kind of don't necessarily call for extreme movement uh, in a lot of the designs so I don't know. I, I still kind of side with copper. I still think it's better. Uh, I just use aluminum out of uh, cost cost effectiveness. Hmm. Okay. That's that's a good take. And how about you, Carmen? Uh, yeah, generally, I agree with that. I mean, you don't want to use copper on something that, you know, you're going to take it off again in six months, three months, two weeks, you know, whatever. 
um, because it's incredibly expensive and it's a lot harder on your hands, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but and uh, aluminum being a softer metal and more flexible is good for deciduous trees, tropical trees, that kind of thing, because generally their bark is, you know, more sensitive as well. It's thinner. Um, they don't usually get that that plaky, the plaky, the flaky plated bark. That's where I was going with that. Um, like conifers do. So usually you want to use something softer like aluminum. Um, you're trying to avoid wire scars. Um, so yeah, copper is stronger. Um, we use annealed copper so that it's soft when you're putting it on the tree. And then mm-hmm. as you move it, it becomes harder. Um, so you kind of work hard in the metal as you're applying it to the tree, which allows it for it to have that really strong hold. Um, it also ages really nicely. The color, you know, it, it's not shiny. Um, it gets kind of a dark brown over time. So it kind of disappears into the tree. Um, I've seen trees that have had wire on them for, you know, upwards of 10 years. And that copper, that branch is still isn't going anywhere. That copper is holding it exactly where it needs to go. Um, these are like slow growing things like ponderosa. Um, so yeah, but but copper, it's a little bit harder to work with because it does not have that flexibility. You can't reuse it like you can with aluminum. Um, it requires a lot of strength, especially when you're working with really big wires um, and you'll get some pretty nice calluses on your hands over time. But they both, they both have their place. Um, but if you're doing a lot of detail wiring, especially on conifers, copper's the way to go. If you're doing a lot of branch setting on um, ficus or tropicals or deciduous, then yeah, aluminum is, is really a better bet. Great point. And, um, and I think that's ultimately the point is uh, mm-hmm. the rate of growth. So if you have yeah. a project that, that's being kept young and vigorous, so it's in a big pot, you're fertilizing it all the time and it's running and growing, uh, fast. Well, that's obviously not a project you want to wire with copper. You know, mm-hmm. that's even if it's a pine, even if you're growing a pine, if you're running branches extremely fast, you know, and you're getting coarse growth, it's still going to cut in pretty quick. And mm-hmm. so I'd still say it's, it's more cost effective to use aluminum for development work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I didn't even really think about kind of putting it into words like that, but that's a good point. Yeah, and young junipers and stuff will do a lot of aluminum for, yeah. you know, the initial twisting because they do bulk up really fast and there's no, there's no, in, like, you, like you said, um, with the flexibility of trying to get some of those extreme movements, you can't get quite the same thing with copper uh-huh. that you can with aluminum. So it, it has a purpose in conifers, especially when they're really young. Right. Yeah. The other thing I'd like to touch on too um, is with aluminum, like we were talking just a second ago about development is... I use two different wiring theories on selecting my thickness based on the rate of growth of the project. So like if I'm using aluminum, and this is only for aluminum, uh, Mm -hmm. but if I'm using, if I'm growing something quickly and I want to leave the wire on for a long period of time, I usually wire with the diameter of the branch. So Mm -hmm. however thick the branch is, I will wire with equal diameter. And that allows me to stay on a lot longer until the branch can get to the adequate circumference to hold its own weight up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wire with the typical, like half the diameter or two thirds of the diameter, it tends to cut in faster than it sets. And I have to either rewire or, you know, at worst case, I'm dealing with cut in, which I try to mm-hmm. avoid. So yeah. uh, I usually say, I teach my students there's wire to grow and there's wire to show. 
So yeah. not that yeah. you can show it with wire, but that's what I mean is uh, de- detail wiring and rough wiring. And rough wiring, I usually go pretty big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I found, especially with aluminum, you need a way bigger wire than you think you do to move something that's growing really strongly and really thick. You you need a, a yeah. really big wire. <laughs> really big. Yeah, I think another one of the things with using a bigger gauge al- aluminum, just like you said, the grow to show um, kind of thought, Mike, is uh, is the more surface area uh-huh. is kind of what that's it is. exactly right. It's, yeah, like you, you kind of think about it. If the wire is already smaller and then the tree is kind of just growing at a certain rate, I mean, it might end up swallowing it. I mean, I've definitely have picked through the canopy, like a thicker developing crown of like a deciduous tree. And I've been like, oh, crap, there's a piece of wire embedded in this branch deep down inside of here. I just never able to get yeah. it out. Um, yeah. And sometimes it causes issues and sometimes it doesn't. It just depends on the situation. I mean... Sometimes crowns of old deciduous trees, I mean, they got to come off eventually anyway. So I'm just like, eh, whatever. You know, as long as I don't try to, you know, air layer it off, then I got an embedded issue in there that might cause scarring on certain species. So, well, that's, and that's the argument of the old classic argument of should you cut your wire off or should you unwind it? And uh, that's That's, the reason why. That's the argument for unwinding is that you won't leave any wire behind. I'm, uh, you know, I wasn't taught that way. I was taught, which as I've traveled, I've learned that other artists teach many different ways, but we were always taught to remove wire. You are only cutting off the offending links. So like what's starting to cut in, you're removing that and you're leaving the the rest of the wire to hold the branch in place until that then starts to cut in. Now, the the pro to that is that you're not rewiring everything a thousand times, you know, okay. especially on things that are growing pretty fast. You're kind of taking it off piece by piece. Uh, the downside, which I've heard from like, I guess, Bjorn, one of his ways of teaching is that the Japanese feel that when you do something, it should look beautiful when you're done. So that they don't not, I guess, uh, according to his nursery is you don't have like loose ends on projects uh, when you're done working on them. You know, e- even if the tree's still in development, it doesn't matter. You should take the wire off, rewire and have it look good while it sits in the nursery. So, you know, I think it depends on the person. It depends on the setting. Um, Obviously, if you're just a grower and you're not interested in showing your trees, then I don't think it matters. But if you're trying to like work to a high level and keep keep a museum level quality uh, garden, then you should uh, take it off and rewire. Yeah, Yeah, I prefer that method just because I tend to get lost or I tend to make a mess if I'm leaving parts of wires on um, I just can't get as nice clean of a look, but there are some cases in which, you know, it's just this one inch section of this right. wire that's, you know, two connecting two branches. It's 24 inches, you know, long essentially. And sometimes just cutting that section off, it's um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a picky thing. And um, the way that, that we go about doing wire removal is usually if it's under a size 14, um, so th- speaking of copper, so if it's under like right. a size 14, we'll unwind it or take it off by hand. Um, and if it's above, a f- if it's 14 or above, we can cut it. Um, yeah. cause if you're trying to cut a really thin wire, you're right. more likely to, you know, nick your branch or cause more damage that way. And if you're trying to unwind a really thick wire, you're going to really screw your branch up that way. So gauging it kind of by thickness, um, of the wire can be really helpful too, when you're trying to figure out 
how you're going to get your wires off. That's interesting because we don't use a lot of copper. So, it, you know, we're never taught, like, don't cut it off your branch. Like the, the thinnest we're taught at Weigert's to ever use is 1.5 in aluminum. Yeah. Uh, because we're, we're, we teach our students that 1.0 is pointless. There's no point much, to that. Yeah. Um, so we start out at 1.5. So that's, that's cuttable, you know, that's Pretty. usually getting into the realm of cuttable, but I can see how, if you're using like, you know, 15 or you're using like 20 millimeter, you're, it's hard to cut and I've tried it, you know, it is hard to cut. So I do usually unwind that. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to say something else on that topic about unwinding wire. Oh, the other thing is uh, a big thing that we are very, very critical of um, in the nursery is getting the wire that's linking across the trunk off the, the trunk as soon mm -hmm. as you can. Yep. So even before, you know, you assume after about a month, your initial bend on that collar is probably close to setting on tropicals. Mm -hmm. And so usually it's a good time to, as soon as you think of it, get it off the trunk so that you don't have the even the the chance of getting a mark on the trunk because I can tell you from experiences it does take years even on tropicals to get it out of the trunk. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, um, that's I think that's a good bit of stuff there about wire. I mean that's that's more than I would hope to hope to uh, to say for it um, <laughs> because I mean that it's always good to have the three of us talking so that we can all kind of bounce those ideas off of each other like that um but if you don't mind carmen can we go ahead and get the ad read for bonsai bar one of our oh, sure. uh, our main sponsors this podcast is supported by bonsai bar the beginner bonsai workshop popping up in breweries all across the northeast bonsai bar is two hours of tiny tree goodness disguised as a night out with friends Come grab drinks, create a new tree, and watch as your friends and family get the bug for Bonsai. Bonsai Bar is always looking for teachers and assistants, and you listen to this podcast, so you're probably already qualified. Bring your knowledge out to the bar. Apply today. Find event tickets, contact info, and more at BonsaiBar.com. Thank you, Bonsai Bar, so much. And thank you, Tim Arsenal, uh, one of our um, bon Bonsai Best Buds, and the Tree EO. <laughs> That's what he has on his uh his signatures i saw the tree uh, oh, that's the cute. tree EO of boneside bar for sponsoring our show thank you guys so much thank yeah, you uh getting back into it uh just a little side dish a little sidebar uh thanksgiving's coming up next week guys y'all excited Ooh. for thanksgiving yes that's my like week? food yes i think so is oh, it grab is it <laughs> wait let me yeah that's check. next week it's yeah, next week it's right. hard to believe though because it's it's only like at the time of the release of this episode, I mean, we're, yeah, it's next week. So, um, just a little fun thing, guys. What's uh, what dish, what Thanksgiving dish are y'all looking forward to? No, I'm, I'm not a big Thanksgiving guy. What? That's a hot Get night. out of here. Nah, <laughs> I'm not. Like, hopefully, I'll end up at Waffle House. Oh, oh man. man, that's gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, like after the festivities, Lisa and I will go to a Waffle House to discuss. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I hate cranberry jelly. I hate oh, turkey. Man. Cranberry no. jelly. If I it's hate. if it's not the shape of the can, <laughs> it's oh. not Thanksgiving. Like Ugh. I have perfected getting it out of the can in the shape. Oh yeah, you have to have it in the shape, but it's Perfect. still vile and terrible. Oh, it's and delicious. Oh. Yeah, I like stuffing for like two seconds, and then I'm like, all right, take me stuffed. away. And then yep. I'm stuffed. 
<laughs> then I'm stooped. No, my least favorite of all holidays for sure. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I give zero. I give very little thanks on that day. <laughs> I mean, Thanksgiving for me, I think I like a little bit better than Christmas because you're not obligated to feel like you need to buy like a gift for somebody. You just, uh, it's just like a potluck normally for our family. So we just bring dishes and we just, I, know, gorge, I agree. Ourselves. But the problem is nobody gives me gifts on Thanksgiving oh. either. So it's you know, trade off. Yeah. That's Make sure stinks. everybody tell uh, Mike on Thanksgiving. Thank you, Mike. Ooh, Thank you, no, Mike. No, don't. I'll be, I'll be grouchy. No, I'm kidding. I <laughs> he doesn't know. want it. He doesn't want it. He's like the yeah, Grinch you keep your thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Carmen? Are you uh, anti-Thanksgiving as well? Um, I mean, as far as the traditional Thanksgiving holiday goes, I'm, I'm, I'm anti thanksgiving but i'm pro food so uh, i will i'll eat the food um <laughs> it's backfired way worse than i thought no uh uh, uh <laughs> yeah you didn't know what you were getting into there you didn't um yeah my favorite is probably uh green bean casserole i i love what? a green bean casserole. i love what? green bean casserole man it is so good i don't even like <laughs> a green bean oh uh, <laughs> But you got to make it like you can't just do the canned green bean. Like you actually have to like finesse it a little bit, but yeah. not too much. It's got to still like have the crispy onions on top uh, from the can. But like if you I use frozen green that. beans or fresh, it's better. But yeah, so usually like we'd go to my parents' house for Thanksgiving. You know, my parents would do a bunch of cooking. And then since we're in Portland, we haven't done very much for Thanksgiving. We've had, you know, little Thanksgivings to ourselves. So we've decided... And then with COVID too, we were doing Thanksgiving on our own. So we decided to like do weird Thanksgiving. So like the first year for Thanksgiving, we just went to Trader Joe's and bought all the random like holiday foods and yeah. did like, Trader Joe's Thanksgiving. And then that's a good idea. Our first year here, we did turkey burgers and sweet potato fries instead of turkey and mashed potatoes. So that was kind of fun. Also a good idea. Yeah. Thank you. So See, this year, I'm not sure what we're doing this year. I could get behind that. I just, yeah. I don't know. My uh, my my mom's British, and we were raised on like roasts and stuff uh, like that. That's and British? Yeah, I'm not. Wow. Not, not. Does she have an one. accent? Not anymore. No, Darn but it. my grandma does, and my aunt Ooh. does. And, yeah, very interesting. Excellent. Yeah. Huh. Um. Yeah, but for me and Caitlin, we uh we have pretty big family get-togethers for Thanksgiving every every single year. And it's mm-hmm. it's. But much more traditional than what you guys are saying, where uh, Mike's on the spectrum of get Thanksgiving out of here. And Carmen's kind of like, oh, I like the food. Uh, we can't, we're on the spectrum of like, yeah, it's Thanksgiving. So we're getting together for this. Um, and so my dish would be the um, the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on top. Ooh. Oh, I do like that. Okay, I don't know if I've like ever dessert-y. actually had that with the marshmallows. Yeah, Mike, Mike does or like candied Thanksgiving. yams. Candied yams are good. <laughs> candied yams. Oh yeah, yeah, I love yams. Uh, yeah. Like a sweet potato or a yam casserole, um, dude. Just pair that with like with like the holiday ham and some of the um, some of that dark meat turkey on the side or something like yeah. that. Ooh, you know, I think I'm I think I'm like eighty six casserole. Like I'm not I'm not a casserole guy. <laughs> Oh, I'm 100% casserole. No. I don't know if I've met a casserole I didn't like. I think I've met, I don't think I've met one I've liked. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. All right. Okay. If we're ever in person, I'm making you casserole, you're going to eat it. All right. I will eat it. I will. And, and, <laughs> and on, air, like, oh, God, on air, I will like it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll have to eat it on air. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be a little ways from now. Um, but we'll <laughs> see when we, get, when we, when we cross Mike that. Mike Lane casserole challenge. Yeah, that'll be that for line. our segment when we eventually get big enough that we'll have our, like a food segment. Our 100th episode. <laughs> <laughs> we're not even talking about bone anymore. We're just talking about food. <laughs> Literally now and in the future. Um, but anyway, back to bone side. Are hey, you guys ready for more uh, bone side talk? That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Uh, So I mentioned earlier Japanese quince and Chinese quince. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll go ahead and start from my perspective on it. I know that's um, I can't. I'm sorry. The the Latin name. Who's got the Latin name? You you know anomalies. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Japonica, maybe. Well, yeah, Japonica for yeah for the Japanese one. And then Chinensis, yeah. Chinensis. Um, yes. So, the, so the the Chinese one, from my experience here in Louisiana, that's the um, it's evergreen most of the time. It can be semi deciduous in our range. Yeah. Um, it's got a larger leaf, much more scaly, like uh, more of like a exfoliating bark. Comes off in like mm-hmm. patchy looking. Yeah, flakes. it's really pretty. It is Man. a very nice tree, and it gets a lot bigger than the Japanese component can get to the. Yeah. Um, whereas. The Japanese quince is the the one that's a little bit more like a, I guess like a brambly kind of like bush kind of growth habit plant. It has a lot more thorns on it. Um, sneaky thorns is kind of what I call um, trees like this where you just really don't see the thorns at first because they're kind of like run underneath the leaf. Um, the leaf is a little bit smaller. I don't, uh, these can exfoliate though when they get to a certain size, but it's quite rare for Japanese quince to be larger. Um, yeah. Whereas, now here's a question. Are all Japanese quince chojubai? No. Nope. Definitely okay. Not. There yeah. we go. That's what um, uh, Chojubai is just one of the more desirable. Yeah, uh, that's the real varieties. dwarf. The super dwarf. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there's um there's a Chinese quince that I can grow here in Louisiana called the Scarlet Red or the Texas Red. Um it's actually a pretty good quince. And it's not as um I guess it's not it's not nearly as compact as the chochubai but it has a very i mean that's why they call it scarlet because it's got a very red um flower and we are talking about the quince these these do flower and they fruit uh the chinese one not as much as the japanese the uh, japanese will put on the flowers they flower throughout the year we'll talk more about that in depth as we kind of break down uh Mm. their care and stuff in a little while but um but yeah, they make these big giant fruits on them sometimes completely out of proportion to the tree. Uh, if you're not careful, it could definitely sap the energy out of it or break a branch or bend a branch in a weird way if you're not careful. Um, but yeah, that's as far as the base knowledge of quince go. And then, yeah, of course, the chochabite is kind of like the end all be all, but not necessarily. But I mean, that is the preferred species in Japan for quince. So, um, Carmen, I feel like you... Well, especially working with Michael, um, he grows a lot of quince. So tell us about Michael's quince growing operation up there. Yeah, so we don't do a lot of just straight Chinese and Japanese quince. We do mostly chojubai. Um, And we grow them in all stages. So we start from cuttings usually. Um, Root cuttings are going to give you more interesting plants than a branch cutting. and then we grow them from a cutting to a full plant, um, pot them up, and uh, they'll go to, we'll sell them off to folks at that point. So we've got over 100 chojubai, um growing 
at any one point, um, various levels of development. Um, they're, on one hand, they're some of the easiest plants to propagate and grow, and they're one of the most, I don't know, kind of finicky plants once you get them in a pot. Um, they don't like to be too wet. Um, they like a lot of heat and they're in the rose family. So they're prone to all those wonderful diseases that hit the rose family. It's just, it's a, it's hard to keep up with, but, um, they're gorgeous plants. They flower whenever they feel like it multiple times a year. Um, and you know, they have a really interesting character to them. They're not really your standard, you know, trunked bonsai. They're generally clumps and mounds and multi-trunk brambles, like you had mentioned, Evan. Um, and they have a lot of interesting character to them. So they're, they're a neat tree. It's definitely worth having something like that in your collection. I always found them, uh, interesting. I, you know, I don't work with them at all, uh, but I've seen them in plenty of books and whatnot. And I always felt that it was an interesting example of how like there's rules, but they're the rules aren't what we always think. You know, you hear okay. all these rules about taper, nabari, all that. And then you see these chojubai. And I have to ask, like, why the, why the, why do the, why does the chojubai get a pass? You know, why do certain <laughs> things get a pass? You know what I'm That's saying? That's a good question, and, and, though. And, uh, I think for chojubai, it's just how they grow. They just don't yeah. grow like trees, they right. just grow like weird, shrubby things. So, the rules are a little bit different for them but yeah it's when you can get one that has a single or a double trunk or a triple trunk you know when you actually have a trunk there at that point a, a little it you know taper matters a little bit more a little but bit yeah yeah still you can get away with some weird stuff and that's what i find so interesting in the hobby i think that's what i've been thinking about more and more these days is like what like at what point do the rules not matter and what point do they matter? Like are there are certain trees that Min Lo creates, um, not to get off topic, but um, certain trees that he creates that I've looked at that, you know, they're ugly if you look at them from a technical <laughs> sense, like terribly <laughs> ugly. But if you yeah. look at them in a global sense, you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal tree, you know, mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I have to ask myself, like, why? You know, I always wonder, like, why do I like certain trees that don't adhere to the same aesthetics that my other ones do? And so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting. Chojubais have always fascinated me. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we do some wiring initially to set some of the the first movements and branches. But I would say most of what we do is is cutting and that allows for and it's helpful because chojubai have that whirl of buds so it's Mm -hmm. not just alternate or opposite it's you know there's they're kind of all around the branch so you have more options of what direction to go in when you're pruning back and we do most of our chojubai growing through cuts um which is which gives you a lot of that real quick movement change that you can't quite get with a wire yeah Angular. I, I used to tell mm-hmm. my students is angular as opposed to curved. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you'll get those two different movements usually depending on whether you wire or cut. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this quince look better with an angular structure? Do you think? Or it looks more natural? I think. Yeah. At the trunk base, when you start the movement, it's going to be a lot more curvy because the the quince, the especially the Japanese one, it's kind of. They just kind of grow in these like tubular kind of 
kind of just everything's kind of the same taper um, then, unless it's gotten then, seriously long um, then, and then yeah so starting off when you set the those first angles of wire they are going to be a little round and you can't really help that um, and then you can get super angular towards the outs out, the outskirts of the canopy as you start kind of refining it well um, if you if you just cut the that first branch way back and just it would takes a lot longer to develop it but you can get exactly. weird angles way yeah. back down and that's one of the nice things about root cuttings too is that a lot of times you'll be able to expose part of that root and that gives you that weird clumpy look or that weird angular look that you can't quite get otherwise yeah. that's pretty yeah that's cool there's uh there is one japanese quince in michael's collection that is like actually has a trunk on it um, mm-hmm. and I think it's like the only one there that's like that, right? Single trunk, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which Single is, trunk, judge your bike. Which is not common all. I mean, no. how old would it, a Japanese quince like that have to be to even get like a good singular trunk, like a believable singular trunk structure? Oh, I don't know. Probably that one's probably at least 50. I'm not sure. Um, a good amount of time, <laughs> a good long amount of time because they don't even start really barking up until they're about 10. Um, so yeah, to have bark that's exfoliating and chunky and, uh, you know, in a big diameter trunk, it's got to have a lot of age to it. Yeah. These are long-term project plants. Oh, yes. Um, they, they remind me of a, a Japanese black pine. Mm-hmm. Like you, you only get, you get what you put into it. And if you, it, it seems like you keep on adding and adding and keep accumulating branch structure <laughs> And movement and cutting back really hard and growing again but mm-hmm. eventually you kind of like start asking yourself like when do i stop this you know kind of like one of those kind of trees yeah. like i've been doing this for over 10 years now when is enough and if when is enough is enough i mean if you keep going it's just going to keep getting better so it's like almost mm-hmm. one of those things like hard to stop and kind mm-hmm. of kind of determine where you want to be with the quince or japanese black pine where i just mentioned earlier um mm-hmm. So, and I know like quince also have the capability of being slowly uncovered. Um, I've seen that. I've seen some people develop in that way too. So like you can get a certain root structure out of them and mm-hmm. then you can slowly uncover the roots and encourage the roots to thicken as you kind of, I mean, make them emerge from the soil a little bit more over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure y'all are doing that as well, right? Um, I mean, we don't really, we you know, mostly just go off of our root cuttings for that but yeah you can create exposed root especially if you're doing branch cuttings um, or something like that where you don't have an interesting root movement you can start to develop roots and slowly expose them over time to give you that exposed root look yeah i've seen a couple of people you mentioned like the the rose family thing earlier it is reminiscent of of how i feel like um people who make rose bonsai kind of have to go Mm -hmm. around about the same thing as like there's barely going to be any root system on this and part of it's just making exposed root structures to actually give the tree some kind of point of interest at the nabari or mm-hmm. um our uh tachigari um exposed root and um and so yeah i mean it, i think it's an interesting plant like like mike had said it just a moment like a little while back it's like what gives us what gives this plant the permission to be awkward and break all these rules and it i think it's at the expense of being deciduous for all the line movement you get and then that that deciduous flower show that you can get as well is kind mm-hmm. of where it comes up yeah we usually get at least two flowerings a year sometime in the spring and sometime in the summer or fall but i've seen flowers in january february as well um 
they'll kind of have some big flowering moments and then some smaller flowering moments throughout the year. But uh, I mean, they're gorgeous. They actually they make really good shohin trees. Um, they develop rather quickly into small sizes and they do well um, in small pots. Um, once they're once they're well established, they'll they'll do well. Um, and they're they're really just nice to add to a shohin display because they they just have so much interest to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as that was one of the things I forgot to actually ask is um, what what kind of container um do you think is like do they need a deeper container because you said they like, don't they don't like yeah. to be as wet, right? Yeah, they like a deeper container. Like most shrubs or basally dominant plants, <laughs> um, they like something a little bit deeper. So think like an azalea pot, um, or what are the other shrubs that we that we work with? Winter hazels, um stuff like that they'll they prefer you know a little bit more space for their roots mm-hmm. um and it kind of makes me think of other plants that you wouldn't expect to not want to be in a shallow container because a lot of people think that we go into bonsai and we're just going we're going for the shallowest pot possible on most trees right um which in this case we're not obviously um but yeah i i, I don't know i i need to start getting more um Japanese quince going uh, the scarlet red is kind of like the it's a little it's much it's it's just inferior to the chochabai but it does carry the same issues but I mean we can grow that remarkably mm-hmm. well um well, at the nursery so I think underhill you can expect to see us to have some more of those we have a couple of bigger clumps of Japanese quince that need to be worked um but like we were saying they're just a big stringy mess um and so Lean I just into it. Yeah. Lean into into it. it. Yeah. Exactly. Make it Embrace messier. the chaos. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the things, you know, when we have students working on Choju Bai or work, even when I'm like working on a Choju Bai and I'm like, oh God, I'm going to mess this up. It's like, you can't really. The Choju Bai is going to be weird. The quinces are going to just be kind of weird. So just, you know, let them be, let them be bizarre. Yeah. Uh, I like want. that. Yeah. And uh, before we, wrap up our uh our quince and chochabai i know one of the other things is repotting talk mm-hmm. about that really quick here in louisiana like i've worked with uh my friend dawn and she has a couple of chochabai or no probably more like the scarlet red because i haven't seen a lot of chochabai here to be honest uh but the ones that she has her scarlet red um she repots them in the fall yeah mm-hmm. um which that's it's one of the one of those weird species where you do that so we've got you know we've got most of our deciduous trees in the springtime and then we go into tropicals in the summer and then quince is just like that one weird tree that here it prefers fall i don't know if that's what you've seen there but i don't think that that's super weird is i hear and granted i'm speaking from just like stuff i've heard and talked to other professionals but I, I guess like fall repotting is like a thing on more than just that. I mean, I hear a lot about that. Even when I was just, I just got my, my butt kind of raked over the coals. Somehow I was teaching a demo in Florida and I was talking about how we repotted uh, junipers in fall. Good. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody was like, ah, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. But when I was with Laurent, you know, his primary advice was don't let it freeze. If you don't let it freeze, you know, what's the primary issue? And so, you know, I've, I've been repotting stuff in the fall about the last couple of years and certain things seem to do just fine. It's just, uh, I don't advise fall repots usually, um, uh, 
for most yeah. of the beginners, you know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with um, you guys being in the South. So fall is a like the second best time of year for root growth in plants in general, um, which is one of the reasons why in bonsai it's good to do a lot of fertilizing in the fall because those roots are really 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 active yeah um and that's why a lot of like just general landscaping gardening you know that's a great time to put new trees in to put perennials in to do a lot of the stuff that you didn't get to do over the summertime um because plants grow a lot of roots and can get established so as long as you're not freezing i think you're Mm -hmm. you're good um, I think the issue really is when, you know, you're leaving your trees outside or there's not a warm enough amount of time to recover um, is when you really run into the problems. So, yeah, like I think where you guys are, fall repotting makes a lot of sense up in, you know, Oregon, Michigan, you know, the northern part of the country. I probably wouldn't recommend it. You can always, right. you know, there's, you know, the time, the best time to repot and then when you have time. So, you know, there's all right. That, I like but, that. I like that. Um, but in those cases, you have to be super, super cautious and careful and know what you're doing before you just, you know, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. That's, you know, I wonder if that, I mean, maybe you know this, Carmen, but I would assume that the reason that fall and spring are the best time for repot and root growth has to do with temperature. Like, okay. has, I would assume it's just too hot to get good root growth in the summer. Yeah, I don't know the exact science behind it, but that's that's my impression is that, you know, summer is the time for, you know, fruiting and just getting that energy from the sun. And, you know, before they go into winter, as they're all the trees are pulling that nutrients in, you know, for the winter time, it's right. just an opportunity to expand the root system. Yeah, that's interesting. Wait, wait. Yep. Um, and, uh, from working and running a nursery at the at the uh, capacity that I do, when we have so many plants and you and like you said, Carmen, like repot when you can, when mm-hmm. you have a chance to. At the nursery, it's kind of a repot as much as we can, mm-hmm. and then take the per, like take the precautions for each and every repot, just whatever yeah. time of year it is. Absolutely, no repot season is like mid like midsummer when it's boiling but typically even yep. during the fall like i'll have to do a lot of repotting on deciduous early yeah and just and just keep them in the greenhouse to keep them warmer mm-hmm. um and well so, and if you're working with younger material or stock material stuff in yeah. like more in nursery pots you can get away with a lot more too if you're yeah, working right. in a really shallow bonsai pot that's a whole other story you know your old your old trees your valuable trees you know those are the priority to do at the appreciate time, right? The appropriate care and everything else can get squeezed. And you can risk it. It's all risk yeah. versus reward. You right. Know? Is, right. Is it going to save you time? Is it worth saving time on that material? Mm-hmm. What? Why would you repot when you don't have to? Mm-hmm. But um, another thing is like, what do people mean when they say repotting? Like, what right. does? Yeah. Are you are you cutting roots? Are you not cutting roots? Are you changing containers to the same size container? You know, mm-hmm. there's like a million different variables when people see. Uh, like I just posted a buttonwood that I just uh, quote unquote repotted, but uh, I didn't touch any of the roots. You know, I basically just right. pulled it out of the container and put it into the same size container. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's the other thing to consider is what what people mean when they say repotting. Right. Yeah. Are you half bare rooting it or are you right. just putting it into a bigger pot and adding soil around the edge? Are you, Yeah. How much root are you cutting off? 
Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of those things. There's so many variables. <laughs> we need more yeah. words. More words. <laughs> more yes. words. And there will be more words uh, to say about repotting, especially more towards the spring. But uh, that that reminds me, I do need to go ahead and drop in really quick a uh, our second ad read of the show. So yeah, I do need to mention about Bonsai Central bringing the best to the Midwest is uh, is what they're going with here. <laughs> um, yeah, I can laugh. Uh, Bonsai Society of Greater St. Louis is putting on the show. It's going to be May 3rd to May 5th, 2024. Uh, it's going to be at the Gateway Convention Center um, in Collinsville, Illinois. And there's going to be really amazing bonsai artists here featured. Uh, I mean, they're going to they're going to have uh, Bjorn Bjornholm. They're going to have Tyler Sarad, um, Maria Hydic, Andrew Robson, Young Cho, Mario Stemberger. Um, they're going to be doing their own little workshops with with participants there. There's going to be really awesome material to work with. Uh, large twisted junipers, um, some seca, hanuki cypress, fused trident maples, and some shohan classes and stuff. It's going to be an amazing time. There's also going to be a professional uh, formal bonsai display happening. And um, they're, they're having a call for trees. So if you're listening to this show right now, this is a great time to go in and submit a tree that you'd like to be in the show there will be cash prizes for the show so that's that's awesome i I don't know if they usually give out cash prizes at bonsai shows uh but i tell you what that'll probably i'll tell you what that'll probably bring the um the competition level up a little bit so yeah guys go over to bonsai slat like little dash bonsai dash central.com and uh go sign up for bonsai central coming in 2024 may uh third uh, to fifth. So I went to an ABS show hosted by the St. Louis club a few years ago and it was excellent. So um, it's a great club. I know some folks in it. Um, sad I can't be there, but it's going to be a really, really, really good show. Yeah, so you guys should all go and put trees in. Yay. Yeah, definitely. Will uh, anybody speak? take my tree for me? Um, can you ship it in a box to me? Yeah, I'll have to. No, I'd love to show a tree. I just don't know if I could fit all that in, but that'd be awesome. Yeah. If they do it again in 25, I'll try to be there. I'll definitely be at Boneside Central this year. Um, yeah, Evan's going to be there vending, so go say hi to Evan and buy his oh things. Do it. Nice. That's Woo. cool. Yeah. You got to shout it. out yourself, man. Uh, every once in a while, I do. I'm I'm trying to be humble. He's so humble. Respect. Uh, but I do have a tree in the show, too. But yeah, I'm Ooh, Which one's doing? going? I don't remember. I don't know yet. Oh, I, I remember got- it. I've Wait. got three trees that are possible candidates, but right okay. now I think I'm going to show my tall bald cypress. Yeah, the, do that. The flat top one. I think I'm going to be doing my first vending gig in uh, Houston. Right at the BCI thing, yeah. Yeah, let's go ahead and just talk about the shows we're going to be in next year, too. When is um, BCI, BCI next is year? Uh, May? April. No, it's in April. Oh, no, wait. Uh, May is the, yeah, April. Yeah, because I'm going to be at that show, too, Mike. I'm going to be vending oh, and doing a workshop as well. Yeah. Oh man, nice. you guys are gonna have so much fun. We're gonna be competing. Carmen, just speed it up till uh um, to September and get get uh, on the road with us. Yeah, come on, Carmen. You gotta wait. come to get that on the show. Road. <laughs> I have to work. I have to apprentice. Can't you take off for a little bit? No, I've for got that show? I, I wish I could. I I've got one travel thingy I can do next spring and that's that's pretty much it until I uh till I'm done. All right. So, I'm being wrangled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. BCI is um it's gonna be in Houston this year. 
It's going to yeah. be with the I mean, Bjorn and, and Minlo and I've oh, got amazing artists. This one too. I mean, um, yeah. I've heard that there's a good number of people signed up already. There also will be a show at this one as well. Are you going to be showing a tree at this BCI show, Mike? Uh, yeah, I might as well. If I'm going to be bending, I might as well. Yeah, I think I'll give it a shot too. I might put my buttonwood in there, see how he's looking next year uh, around that time. Um, but that would be a fun show to kind of do something simple. The, That'd uh, be really cool. Yeah. And then um, we were also talking about this earlier before we started recording. We're doing um, a show that I started two years ago. We, we kind of missed it the year before, I mean, the beginning of this year, but we're doing it in March so that we can send it around crawfish boils and also uh, celebrating, you know, Louisiana culture with bonsai. We call it say bonsai, like uh, like a, that's a good bonsai. You know what I mean? Uh, so <laughs> that so it's say bonsai, like uh, the C, like the proper C with the little squiggly underneath the C and the dash EST bonsai. Like bon. oh yeah yeah like um, like French say bon yeah um, say bonsai say bon, bon. yeah. Uh, Lorit told me how Lever. to spell it properly. I think I lost his note again, but I'll I'll make sure to try to get that right. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The the odds that that's being pronounced properly are it's are not good. Slim to none. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not personal. That's just French. That's yes, just, exactly. That's just the way it is. <laughs> um, but no, uh, that's gonna be March thirtieth. We just concreted that date. So um, wouldn't you know? Uh, our feature artist is gonna be Mike Lane. Good job, <laughs> buddy. You're, I'm you're surprised. Just, you're just at all I'm, these shows. Come I on. like, I like, yeah, this is exciting. I got overachiever. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, and you're bringing on another bonsai artist with you as well. Uh, tell us about him a little bit. Yeah. So, um, Shannon, uh, from Kusa Farms is going to be coming. Shannon Salier. And, um, uh, so Shannon is, uh, he's been in the game for a while. He's, uh, won several awards at national shows for his Chauvin compositions. Um, and in my opinion, I think he's one of the most well-versed uh, and well-practiced Shohin practitioners in the country. Yeah. Um, I think his collection of pottery and trees is second to none. Um, and I think he really, uh, it'll just be interesting to kind of uh, get his insight as well uh, on trees that I have no idea how to grow. So it's uh, it's really, he's a really good artist a lot of knowledge and um it's just a great learning opportunity for anybody interested yeah definitely um so yeah it's going to be at underhill bonsai over here in Folsom, louisiana it's going to be like i said may nope march march 30th it's going to be on a saturday uh we'll start early probably around 10 we'll open the gates around 9 30 let people start parking start at 10 we're going to have uh demos we're going to have um demonstrations with with mike and shannon um, and then we're going to have the good old crawfish boil event where we get people all around the table. We eat some, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, peel the tails and suck the heads as we say here in Louisiana. Ugh. Um, dude, <laughs> no, so gross. it's actually, I know it's delicious, but it sounds disgusting it, when you say it, it like that. You, do. you gotta, yeah. When you get into it, it <laughs> becomes a euphoric, euphoric, euphobic. I'm, I'm still got it wrong. Do you eat the, the eyeballs? Uh, what was that? Do you eat the eyeballs? <laughs> oh, you went there. We I'm going to eat the eyeballs. You, oh, yeah. man. I don't, 
because because some people kill the tail and then they'll they'll suck the uh the juices out of the head and everything yeah and uh and my wife kate she always like she's like you gotta get the you gotta get the orange stuff out and then you gotta yeah. get the, the brains out but then yeah. the eyeballs that's that's a whole other level right there. I, I oh. don't even like think about You're doing that. You're making this sound really appetizing. It's no, awesome. I, I totally Trust me, it's go. good. <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I wonder though? Um, Andrea, Eric's wife, she's Brazilian and she showed me a long time ago that you can just eat a whole unskinned shrimp. Like you can just eat right. the shell and everything, which I didn't know. So I wonder if you could just but eat the whole you head and to? everything. No. I, I mean, we're all good. No, no. Pretty good. But no, but I didn't. I, who knew? Who knew you could eat a shrimp tail? I didn't know. Uh, there are so- soft shell crawfish, but they're not the best. So you mm. can probably do it there because you can eat a whole soft shell crab. Mm-hmm. I want a mud bug. A mud bug. You want the mixed, mud bug. weird crawfish that are brown colored that come out the ditch? <laughs> I do. Yeah. I want them out the ditch. Yeah. But uh, just so you guys know, we're not going to be eating miscellaneous, like, things that we find in the ditch here in Louisiana. We actually have crawfish farms. Um, they're very big, established, old farms where they have been doing this for years. So we have the What if really I want mine classic. out of a ditch? Then we'll just and get you some ditch. And that's when you go to Michigan. Okay. We'll get you some ditch, <laughs> ditch fish for uh, ditch Mike. crawfish. We'll get you, a, we'll go get you a, um, one of those hardhead uh, catfish. Oof, of, no. Can we go okay. noodling? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Yeah. Do you guys do that? We we can. Do you guys do that in Michigan? Uh, no, I just seen it on TV. It oh, seems okay. like a Louisiana yeah. thing I would like to try. We don't yeah. do it in Florida because there's other things in the water that'll yeah, eat you. Yeah, you got alligators. But, yeah. yeah. But you do too. Yeah. We can um we can Evan do a noodle. Has those yeah, we we need to go so scared to noodle. I don't yeah, know. And I, and I don't get into black water. I don't do that. Oh yeah. murky water's creepy. I don't do yeah, that. That's gross. Get into uh the the channel cat range and get down in there and get your uh, your fists in a big old uh, catfish's mouth. It's kind of what uh, you're doing. Noodle and catfish. Sounds really scary. Catfish is one that's an ugly fish. Oh yeah, and they're weird and they eat everything. They're like ghosts they of like the river. They're cool. I like catfish. Yeah, and their their skin is like not it's not scale. It's like yeah, it's like flat sandpaper, uh-huh. slimy, weird. Um, just you know, a weird in- fish. Interesting thing about hardhead cats is they actually have three spines, just like a stingray. That uh, yeah, here in Florida, like any yeah. fisherman avoids. It. Like you won't even want to touch them. We, we if you wanted to scare somebody away, you just throw a catfish at them. <laughs> I'm serious. Eric Eric Weiger gave up fishing literally like after one incident with a catfish. Was like done. Yeah. Sold his boat. Him. Everything. Yeah, it got him in the hand, and it got really infected. Mm. And he was like, "I'm done yeah. fishing, done with that." Yeah, some Just fishes... don't fish for catfish. Well, they they eat everything. They're like they're the bycatch. They yeah, eat. yeah. That's some true. fishes ain't nice fishes. This is now a fishing podcast. I mean, well, don't this, put is, it going, on this there is going to be a different segment. We're just getting people ready. Yeah, yeah. That's I really like fish, so we can talk about fish for a long time. We could do a fishing podcast. Show. My dad used to own a pet store called Wet Pet. He sold fish. Oh That's my god! Really, really That's hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> Wet Carmen's. Wet was pet. it your dad? My dad, yeah. <laughs> Carmen's dad used to own a, a fish pet shop, an aquarium shop called Wet Pet. Mike's pretending <laughs> to his wife in the background. Hey, Lisa. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, dude. Your dad's a hero for having a pet shop and naming it something really punny. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty excellent. 
Yeah. Um, one other show next year. I mean, there's more than that, but one other one that I'm actually going to be at is the right Pacific <laughs> Bonsai Expo. I think it's um end of October next year. Last weekend in October, they just set the date, I think, and it's at a different location this year. Hey. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to be announcing this because it's not my job, but uh, this is what I know. Spoiler and it's still going to be in California, and uh, I'll be there. So y'all should do they take entries? Do they take entries from all over the country? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's the one show that I've actually like. The first time around, I was like, cool, and then I was like, do I really want to drive like yes. thirty miles? Yeah, but I, mean, I think that's hours? the best. I think that's the best show in the country. Ooh, yep. hot take. Yeah, I just, I do. We did. Yeah, we just announced a, all these other shows. We're like trying to hype up, and you just say that. <laughs> well, well, I haven't, I haven't been to those shows, but that, or, well, you know, you're you're right. Those are newer shows, but um, <laughs> this is the one show that, I, from what I've seen, <laughs> seems mm-hmm. to really be uh, like the newest kind of. Look at exciting. Word it. It's yep, exciting. High, it's high yeah. quality bonsai. It's artsy, um, cutting edge. Cutting edge. That's the word. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. Yep. Um, so, I don't know Eric when submissions or... are going in, but keep an eye out for when to put submissions in. Jonas yeah. and Eric are asking for, and they like they did for their previous show. They're asking for more exotic and more unconventional. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Oh, so, sweet. That's in the Not criteria. Not just your standard stuff. If you have something weird, you can put it in. Like. Oh. Uh, like that bonsai I saw, I saw on a broomstick one time or that hot rod <laughs> bonsai where the deadwood was painted chrome. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them. The, I that don't was, wanna, it, that was yeah. the nationals. Um, but yeah, all those weird, there's weird ones. You know, more conv- unconventional than that. We're talking like some Nick, Nick Lenz stuff going on here, guys. <laughs> Let's get it going. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, yeah that's those cool. Are, those are going to be a good time. So um, yeah. How about we kind of get into this time of year for like display and stuff for just a minute? How y'all feel about about that? Um, this time of year for display? Yeah. What's going on this time of year, do we think? Like for, for us in Louisiana, we had a fall show that was this previous weekend. And so mm-hmm. it'd be like a mixed bag of like deciduous sil- silhouette and then some, you know, semi-deciduous stuff. Um, but I think there's just like mostly silhouette stuff going on right now as far as how oh, shows wow. go. Well, Florida yeah. doesn't. Florida doesn't. Um, I don't know. Florida doesn't do as many shows as I would like, and uh, we only really there are some regional shows going around and whatnot, but they're usually very small, and uh, we only have the one state show a uh, year, and mm-hmm. so, um, but we do have the opportunity to show year round. You yeah. know, so, so this time of year, if you had the choice, Mike, what would you be displaying and how? Um. Bougainvillea, Bougainvillea mm, would be I- ideal because they're they're blooming. They're about to be blooming their fullest, or at least very close to it. Like basically from now until February is the best blooming season for them. And um, so I, I think your that. odds of getting a like a perfect bloom are really much okay. higher this they're, time through February. They're a cool weather bloomer. No, they're uh, it's all based Dry on weather. light. And, and yeah, it's based, they're more based on the light cycle in the shorter day. So more than anything uh, and drier, the, the lack of rain and moisture. So they, um, they really like that and they, they, uh, respond well with blooms. So I would probably show those. Um, I also work on a lot of evergreens 
So like I would show uh, any one of those olives, buttonwoods, um, you know, anything like that. Uh, but flowering stuff, uh, a lot of our tropicals aren't seasonal flowers. They don't flower based on a certain time of season. They just uh, flower on and off throughout the year. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you pretty much can show a lot of that stuff anytime. Yeah. How about you, Carmen? What would you be showing around this time of year? Well, we're pretty much out of fall color at this point. So something that had a nice silhouette um, would be really nice. Maybe a maple uh, or chojubai because you can really see through them this time of year. And some of them are still flowering. So they're really, really fun to look at this time of year. Um, You know, the conifers always look nice. We're doing a lot of black pine work and a lot of trimming on the spruce and the hemlock, that kind of stuff. So after those are spruced up a little bit, Ah, good one. Uh, once you spruce up the spruce, <laughs> then um, uh, those look real nice for a, a fall display too. But I think, I mean, I feel like silhouettes are kind of a novelty. So now's a really good time to show them um, now that they've dropped leaves. And um, yeah, you've got that opportunity. Yeah. The other thing I forgot that's just along those same lines, kind of more of a northern tree is Kinzu or Kumquat. They, uh, they flower, they fruit and come into peak fruit in winter. So that's great. Yeah. So they, a lot of citrus do that, don't they? They do. And so you'll coming up, you know, right now they're loading with fruit and coming up in the next month or so that all the fruit will be turning orange. And then you could in theory defoliate them for a show and just have the, the oranges and, or the kumquats in the silhouette. So. That's that's a great really call, cool. Mike. Oh, now I want oranges. That sounds good. We have, I haven't had um, an orange in a really long time. We have Satsumas here, and Ooh. that just made me think about it. I was like, oh yeah, the the Satsumas do come into uh, you know fruition this year. Yeah, a you lot like of the one? citrus. Um, what's oh, the other I one? I dropped a I dropped a really great pun there, and Mike just talked. <laughs> oh my bad, man. What was the pun? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Was it, it was fruit ritian? They come into fruit ritian. Was yeah, that what it was? Yeah, it was. Oh, uh, that's a good no, one. No, no, that's no, really good. No, don't get me credit for it. Nobody heard it. <laughs> no, no, I heard it. Though. Yeah, I didn't hear it, but it's good. Anyway, yeah, you were saying, Mike. <laughs> no, I lost it. No, you're Sorry. you're good. You're good. Because uh, we we do uh, satsumas here. We also have blood oranges, which are just Ooh, kind of a staple cool. of of uh, you know Louisiana fruits and cooking, you know, and stuff here. But yeah, the kumquat, the the especially the kinzu, I'm starting to really fall in love with that plant. Um, unfortunately, they grow slow and they stay relatively small. Um, but That's I mean, good, though. I mean, such an awesome little plant. There, there shouldn't. I, I referenced Laurent a lot because in a lot of ways he did, uh, he changed a lot of the ways I think about things. And one of the arguments I get down here, I work with a lot of elderly people. And one of the arguments I get all the time is I'm not going to be alive long enough to see that. And, uh, you know, I really do get that argument. And so over the years I've, I've catered to that argument and I've like put together PowerPoints to show what you can accomplish in a year or two. And yep. it was interesting, like Laurent didn't pull any punches and he wasn't like, he made sure to to inform them that when they in, are engaging in bonsai, they knowingly are signing up for something that can take years and years and years and years and requires patience, discipline and perseverance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was unapologetic in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that. I can kind of appreciate that too, because in a way, like you can't get into this looking for quick 
uh, payoffs and think you're going to make good product or good art. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen. They don't go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if you're getting into this, wanting to make trees like you see in the books, um, then it's going to be a huge time investment and a huge work investment and likely a huge financial investment, you know? So yeah. those are things to consider. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. Well, so I love Kinzu, man. I don't mind it at all. Let's, um, let's move on to the last segment of our show. We always go into the, uh, bonsai word of the week, kind of give everybody some, uh, some happy thoughts and some, um, you know, I'm going to put on my best NPR voice here to bring you guys. That's an ASMR co- voice. Yeah. It's like <laughs> best coverage, nice. yeah. coverage for your bonsai week to think about these words. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I said coverage. It just seemed like I should put that word in there. Uh, but our bonsai word of the week is, um, we, we're, I'm kind of stepping away from using all the Japanese words. We're just going for bonsai words, like terminology and things that we say a lot in bonsai. And this time I'm going to go with back branch in the, in the bonsai structure and why they are important. Um, and what they are is it mostly to kind of bring us back to, to, you know, like the basis of, I get it. The, uh, the basis of our, um, our show here, our show has always started as a bonsai 101 beginner friendly to uh to more advanced uh, audience here. So we always make to make sure to touch on these uh, topics. But yeah, back branch, because we always have our, you know, Nabari going up into our Takagari, which is our trunk line going into our first branch, our defining branch or our illustrating branch or our movement branch, whatever you might want to call it. And then you have your second branch, which kind of you know, dictates the balance or the flow of the design. But then we always kind of forget about the back branch. Some people will build out their tree and they'll have like this skeletal, flat, two-dimensional tree and they're like, something's missing, you know? And most most of the time, beginners don't think about placing a good back branch because it, it starts out as a as a branch that on your tree, from the, from the correct perspective, you won't see it for a long time, especially if it's under development. Or you might see it because it, it will be like super long because you're trying to grow it out and get it to a certain diameter before you cut it back again. But there is part of the back branch that will not be seen for a very long time until you begin to ramify or uh, refine that back branch to give depth and dimension to your overall appearance to your tree. So it takes it from a two-dimensional model feeling tree to a three-dimension, you know, through a to a sculpture, a three-dimensional sculpture feel. Um, so the back branch is super important. I mean, there's not only one back branch on a, on a tree, but that one brack, that brack, one of that, that one back branch always sets the expectations of the dimension and the thickness of the, the canopy and the crown. Or if we're doing something along the line, something skinnier and taller, the back branch needs to be present to give more to, it could complement, you know, the, the first or second branch, depending on the, the design of the tree. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my kind of, summary definition of it so i'll let carmen start this time um first for kind of talking about uh what you think about back branches i think you pretty much nailed it um the back branch is obviously a branch in the back and there's generally multiple branches in the back of your tree and like evan said you need them for dimension um and to you know really a back branch adding one or removing one can really change how you look at your tree um it can really give you a lot of um, depth and perspective. And so they're actually, they're really important. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think you pretty much covered it. 
Mike, anything to add? Yeah, they keep those damn birds from flying through. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, the the old saying is, it, it's funny because we talk, the old saying is you want to see the birds fly through. But <laughs> uh, modern or contemporary bonsai has kind of moved somewhat away from that. You know, you don't see the large negative spaces that you used to see in uh, <laughs> in older bonsai. And um, a big part of that, at least for me, one of the ways that I accomplish that is closing it off with the back branch. So the gaps that I make between my first two side branches, uh, between the next two side branches, that gap I basically fill with foliage from the back, ideally. And so that way I have more undulations and a little bit of light peeking through, but it looks dense and full and compact and mm-hmm. uh, doesn't look loose. So um, that I would add. And the, the other thing that I'd like to point out too is since our last few discussions talking about like bonsai as art or bonsai as uh, discipline, I've been thinking of like new ways to teach that maybe are, are broad strokes that maybe aren't so like, it's gotta be left branch, gotta be right branch, gotta be back branch. And one of the ways I was thinking of teaching is starting to explain that we're trying to just take up three dimensions. That's primarily what we're trying to do because I've seen great trees that go left, back, back, right. I've even seen a great award-winning tree with a starting with a back branch. And so there's, again, I think the most important aspect of it is that you are taking up three dimensions and that it's not flat and that it's not a fishbone tree and um, how you kind of get there. I think you can be very organic um, as long as you're not stacking branches and you're not kind of falling into some of the aesthetic pitfalls that occur in all art, you know, crossing branches, things like that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think you see this a lot, especially when you're dealing with Yamadori um, or collected trees where you don't always have the choice of where your branches are coming from. So you have to just work with what's there. And that really makes you reconsider some of those rules of left branch, right branch, back branch. Like what are these? Can they stack? Can there be a bar branch? Where the heck do you put this one? Like it just becomes a puzzle rather than a creation. So I think, I think you're right there. Looking at it as a way of seeing something in three dimensions, is it balanced? Is there harmony? Does it make sense? Rather than necessarily uh, here's the rule book. Here's how you do X, Y, Z. Right. Yep. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, don't forget about your back branch. It could, it could uh, draw your entire design together, or removing it could um, create a negative space and a lot of interest and drama. Just depends on what you're going for. So, um, yeah. Thanks, guys, for uh, going over wait, that. With wait, me. can I Oop. say one more pun? No. No, we're not done yet, Mike. <laughs> oh, this, uh, this is the I was going to say you got a pun segment. Put your back branch into it. <laughs> Holy crap. I like that one. Yeah. Put your back branch into it. Get, <laughs> get some, um, oh no. Well, you guys all had them. With that, like da- yeah. dad jokes. Uh, yeah. One of my dad other, jokes are the best. One of my other favorite shows that I listen to, um, they always drop dad jokes, like the whole show. That's like they're, they're always trying to do that. And I feel like we're moving in that direction. Well, Mike um, has to get some practice. I do. Yeah. Not, I, I'm, I really know a lot of really good dad jokes. Okay, okay. Just just give me just give me one. Oh shit. Oh no, Lisa, I can't think of what's one. What's my best dad joke? 
No, I'll think of it later. I, I can't do it on the spot. It's you. You Tell can't you summon this kind of dad energy. It's got to just true. come. That's true. Tell you what. The, for for the next yeah. episode that we do. One to uh, oh, oh, okay. Got the best dad joke. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was in uh, Home Depot and we were walking by the stud finders, and I stopped Lisa, and I was like, "Hang on." And then I made it beep until it found me. <laughs> see, she now that, loved it. She was dying. That's an action dad joke. That one you have to see in the moment for it to have. Yeah, you have, to you have to yeah. be there. Yeah. Well, this is going to be when we get video. We're going to have video soon. I, I got one. I got one. Okay. What's the What's the opposite of irony? What? Um, Wrinkly. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> our next assignment for the next episode that we're all onto on is uh, get to do some more research on dad jokes. We all okay. have. Oh, yeah. it, you have to deliver at least one strong one. Excellent. Uh, right. Can't I wait. Yeah, I already me made, either. I'm I already ready. made a few on this one, but <laughs> anyway, so uh, it's bringing us to a close. But we always do a few shout outs for us here. Um, so for me, you can go over to underhillboneside.com and go look at my articles and, um, kind of check things out there, see about me and stuff. Um, click on our Underhill Boneside store. Like I said, you can go over to the little things for a Boneside people tab and buy some t-shirts we have left. Um, and then we've got a couple of things on YouTube. If you want to stumble over there and see some of my low quality YouTube videos, um, we're, we're, we're working on getting better ones up in the near future here. Um, and then, yeah, I'm also on Instagram as well as, um, so it's Underhill for Instagram and then Little Things for Boneside People is also on Instagram. So if you hear critique episodes, you can go over to the, um, Instagram page and it'll tell you in the description of that. If you see trees on there, it's because we were critiquing those trees. So yeah, go check that out guys. And then for, um, for Mike, where can we check out your stuff? Uh, you can check me out at www.kitsunebonsai.com. Uh, you can also check me out on Facebook or Instagram under the same name. And we also do have a YouTube channel as well. Um, and, haven't updated the YouTube channel in a while, uh, but I try to update Facebook and Instagram daily. And uh, so you can check me out there. Excellent. And then for you, Carmen? Well, it sounds like I have to get a YouTube channel now. Um, Everyone's can- doing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh you can find me at Becoming Bonsai on Instagram, and I'm also on Facebook. Um, and you can check out the Purple Pot Society, which is the National Women's Bonsai Group, um, where we work to inspire and educate women to uh, get into bonsai. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for hanging out and talking with us and hanging out, listening with us. We, you know, we participated on both sides here. Me and Mike and Carmen talked, and you guys listened in, so... Um, as long as we all take part of this, we're going to, uh, we'll get the job done. My favorite, my favorite type of audience is the captive type. It just has to listen. Yeah, exactly. If you guys just listen to me and it's all going to be fine. That's great. If you guys listen this far and thank you so much for listening. Um, again, just shout out to our bonsai best buds. Thanks for, uh, for, for, uh, what's the, what's the saying for holding it up? I'm so sure. old. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, guys. that one. Yeah, that. That's what I meant to say. But yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks so much for supporting us and listening. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Y'all have a great right. one, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, bye.